Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast. This is episode number 86. My name is Adam. With me today we have Ernie. How are you? Ernie. I'm doing good, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Today we have a bit of a shorter show lined up. First we'll be going over some of what we've been watching before getting into a feature review of Ron Howard's Rush. And finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. First up, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Ernie, we'll start it with you this week. Uh, this week, I've been uh, doing a little uh, independent circuit and uh, wide releases. Um, my review is online, but I saw Mount uh, Journey to Mount Fuji. <laughs> Don't really want to go into that, otherwise I'll... <laughs> We'll get a little more irritated, but uh, you can read the review uh, after reading it and decide if you want to watch it or not. Just just be aware that if you sit there, you're going to be like, what the hell is going on here? And why yeah, am I watching this? Look, looked like a bit of an experimental film. It's based on a manga, right? I don't know. I actually tried to look that up and all I found was information of a series of shorts that the same team put together prior to making the feature. Oh, okay. Maybe that's... What it so, was. I was pretty sure that they mentioned something about a manga to me. It's it's possible, but the I found it funny that the context of the movie I didn't discover until I read the synopsis of the shorts. Hmm. <laughs> like, oh, is that what that was supposed to be? Hmm. <laughs> like, that didn't come through pretty clear. But then again, I might be wrong, and it might be something else entirely. My review is also on the site, Don John, which I enjoyed. I was gonna tr- I was trying to see that this weekend so we could do two reviews, but I didn't get around to it. I'll probably see it today. But so you you did enjoy Don John? Yeah, yeah. For uh, a directorial debut um, uh, for comedy, this was actually pretty assured. He, he was good. He's got some decent performances here and there. And uh, I mentioned in the review that there's some repetitiveness, but it does have serve a purpose. But um, just overall, it's I mean, it's nothing like the laugh out loud funny movie of the year but a decent uh comedy uh, about sex and relationships and i'm sure there's a lot many people can relate to in some way without admitting to it because hmm. <laughs> uh, their stuff is like oh awkward i think hmm. i've been in that situation <laughs> and that's uh that's playing wide release right um now yeah yeah it did go wide this weekend uh, um i'm surprised i thought that was the kind of movie that would go limited first and then yeah wide. same here and then I saw Escape from Tomorrow yesterday. Oh, yes. Um, that review is forthcoming. That's definitely one not to discuss too much. Just basically the setup is a father's at Disneyland, at Walt Disney World in Orlando. And on the last day that they're there, he finds out he was just fired from his job. And so in order to escape from his world... He wants to spend one last good day in Disney World with his family, and then things just start going wrong. And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> now, this is this is one that we've been covering a lot on the site because I'm I'm really into this story. Only, and, and I know that this is really the only reason anybody's talking about it is because they shot this entire movie in Disney World and Epcot, I think, with without any permission from disney at all and it was all done like guerrilla style Mm -hmm. like is it i mean judging from the trailer it looks like it's like a full-blown feature length movie can you tell at all that there are things about it that they might have had to do quickly or is it evident that they um the only time it's evident is there are some shots where they had to use blue screen and to with uh, that are pretty obvious when you see them but overall the shots where they actually filmed in disney world it seems pretty natural it's just thinking of it uh, as a on a production end you can basically just see how it looks like it's just somebody just standing there filming a family it's funny because everybody this this premiered at sundance and everybody was like well this this movie's really interesting but there's no way it's ever going to get released because disney simply won't allow it to happen but they did they did allow it to happen and i think that their reasoning was like we just don't care it's mm-hmm. it's a small enough movie that we don't think that a lot of people are going to see it and we're not going to be bothered by something like this yeah it doesn't paint the uh company or the park in a bad light at all i mean in fact after seeing it it's like makes me i was like i, I want to go back to disney world i haven't been there in like 10 years <laughs> 
<laughs> so that, that might be a plus, but they're just like, uh, and there's like all kinds of things that go on in there that would seem kind of, that's kind of dark mm-hmm. in terms of Disney, but um, maybe they're just kind of like the idea of letting it go along with the mythology of the park and the enigma of the park. And they don't, they don't make any, like, they don't try to hide it at all that it's, that it's Disney World, right? Do they, oh, do no. they, do they outright say the name in the movie? Yeah, yeah, they they do say the names, they do say the name of the parks and the rides and whatnot. The only thing that is different is they can't use the music. Uh, um, there's a point where they're on, it's a small world, and there's the music that is used is in the same ballpark as it's a small world, but not it's a small world. So, But you notice that when you hear that, then you notice that when they go to other parks, other parts of the park, like the Tiki Room or... Uh, um, and you like listen to the music. It's like, yeah, that doesn't sound like the exact music, but. And I also did hear that uh, it did get cut. There were 15 minutes of the film cut out from the original cut that screened at Sundance. So I'm really wondering what if if it's clear and they're not making any, you know, they're not trying to hide the fact that it's Disney. I'm wondering what they actually cut out from from the movie. Yeah. Well, you see the. Uh trademarks the logos mickey mouse characters and whatnot but uh yeah, i but, think um, that yeah, that... yeah they really yeah, they really don't hide they don't hide the name at all so. but that's cool they, they even use walt's name at one point so. hmm. yeah definitely i'm definitely excited to see that so i think that that comes out in theaters and on video um, on demand on the 11th I think. the 11th yeah you're right and one other thing i saw was uh, after tiller the uh, uh choice uh Portion documentary, which was uh, some pretty powerful stuff. That was, uh, I think that's in limited release right now. Yeah, that is. So that's uh, focuses on late term abortion, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, third trimester or third semester, uh, twenty, I think twenty seven weeks forward or something like that. Mm. Which is like pretty like unconscionable to think of, but when you see the documentary, you clearly see the reasons why it's necessary, and it's like. When I was writing my review, I was trying to be very, very careful about not pushing for my right my opinion. So I was just uh, stating what what the facts are and how it paints this group, the the pro lifers, in a bad light because of what they did. So I'm like, oh well, that's all they really, that's all they need to know. It's like, but um, yeah, it was, it was like a pretty rough stuff. I think that that is. I don't think that that has a video on demand release date as of yet. But I'm sure that it'll be out on VOD at some point relatively soon, I would imagine. Early this week, after uh, after I saw Grandmaster a while ago, I decided to check out Ipmon, the, mm. the, Don, the first one with Donnie Yen. I saw the first and, one. And uh, it, was, it was pretty good. And some really good fights. And it was interesting how two different vantage points of the same man are both fantastical. <laughs> Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a traditional straight up movie about this man because it's always like uh, embellishing in the martial arts aspect of it. But I'm like, hmm, okay, that was some cool fights, but you don't really know who the man is yet. Yeah, I'm but, I'm a big fan of Donnie Yen. I I didn't really I wasn't too into the first It Man. I didn't see the second one because of that. Mm-hmm. And I know that there is a third one too, but it doesn't star Donnie Yen, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. The third one actually just opened out here, and unfortunately, it's already gone. <laughs> so I totally missed it. Um, but I think Donnie Yen said after two, he just he wanted to do those two, didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, so check which one would you prefer the Grandmaster over Ip Man? Um, I guess it depends on how uh, your. Uh, which part of uh, martial arts uh, films do you prefer? Do you want the Crouching Tiger style, or do you want the straight up uh, like Jet Li mm-hmm. style? So, so if you want the Crouching Tiger, you go with Grandmaster. If you want Jet Li, you go with Ip Man. I do so, want to see the Grandmaster. I I didn't get a chance to see it when it was playing around here, but I'm also curious to see the the original cut of the film because I heard that it's a lot different. Yeah, I didn't hear about that until uh, after the fact, so I'm wondering if they're ever going to release it on video, but I guess that's up to the Weinsteins, so, so we should probably means we won't. Something tells me <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But you can you can import the original cut now on Blu-ray. Oh. So it's, it is available, that you, you can get it, but I think it's pretty expensive. Off it, Mom, one other one, and I highly recommend this to you, 
is the uh, Crystal Lake Memories documentary. I want to see that. It uh, came out on Blu-ray, DVD on the 13th. Uh, did it? Uh, yep. yep. It's uh, seven plus hours, well, 12 hours probably with the bonus disc of everything you ever wanted to know about the Friday the 13th franchise. It's probably, if you ever saw the Never Sleep Again documentary about Elm Street. Yeah, which, I saw that. Which I thought was like one of the best produced franchise documentaries ever this one is like twice as much better there's like so much that they talk about in the in the film that like oh i didn't know that i didn't know that and they have countless alumni come back to discuss it was like oh so it was like that's how they look now i was like go that that must explain because i i was looking for that on like itunes and amazon and stuff and i couldn't i couldn't find it like streaming to rent Mm -hmm. It must mm-hmm. be because it's. I didn't know that it was that long. Yeah, it's uh, it's a two part. It's a two disc set, and like parts one through five are covered on disc one, and then parts six through twelve are covered on disc two. Wow. So, and it also goes into the, into the TV show and. Oh, the TV show too. And then, uh, yeah, it's just a chronological history of the entire franchise from beginning to where they left off. So it's like a really fascinating documentary, and it's like it goes into all kinds of stuff where like. Yeah, we originally had intended to go this way with Tommy Jarvis, and then it five bombed, and then we got a mandate from the studio that they want Jason back, so we had to abandon the storylines. <laughs> hmm. So, because they had every intention of having Tommy Jarvis carry on as the killer, but and cast members signed on to continue the parts, but like, nope, not gonna have to pick that up. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely, definitely pick that up. And uh, if you're crazy enough, you can watch it in one day, but it took me two days, so. Yeah, I don't think I'd be able to sit through the whole thing at once. So that's pretty much all I watched. Uh, so I was playing Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> well, the, actually, I've been playing Grand Theft Auto nonstop, too. But I did have time to see quite a few movies this week. Uh, I saw for, First up, I saw In My Skin, which is a movie from 2002. This is directed by Marina Devan, who we interviewed last week for uh, her new movie, Dark Touch. And I wanted to see this in preparation from for the interview, which we did on Monday. So this movie disturbed me to my core. It is it's a body horror film, and for some reason, mm-hmm. like a lot of these body horror movies, just really get under get under my skin. No pun intended. Like uh, not torture porn, but like Tetsuo or something like that. Or... Yeah, like Cronenberg, like early Cronenberg. Mm. Okay. Uh, even even uh, Brandon Cronenberg's antiviral, like that body horror stuff. Uh, I think was one that I saw recently. Excision was one that I saw recently. That was a newer one. But this movie basically it's about a woman who sustains an injury at a party. She's outside in someone's yard walking, and there's like some construction going on, and she cuts her leg really mm-hmm. bad on a piece of metal. And it kind of sparks this like weird obsession that she gets with injuring herself. And it's like more than just her becoming a cutter. So like, it's not that she's like cutting herself for attention. I don't think it's just this really odd obsession that she gets where she starts cutting herself and cutting pieces of her skin off and eating it. She's essentially eating herself and it is, some of the scenes are c- so cringeworthy, I had to look away. And mm. it's so intense. Like, if you're into the kind of horror where it's, like, almost unwatchable because it is just so tense, like, this is this is one to check out. Is it uh, black and white or color? It's color. Oh, and that must make it crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, there's... <laughs> I, I don't want to talk too much about it because i feel like some of the things that happen should be a surprise where you're just like because i kind of went into it cold i knew the general plot but i didn't know any any specifics so i don't want to get into any specifics about it because some of it is just so shocking when you see it it's it's crazy so i do recommend it i actually liked it quite a lot more than dark touch and we do have a review for dark touch up on the site now i think todd gave it a five out of ten so in it's called in my skin it's a french film so i would i'd say definitely check that out cool next up i saw curse of chucky this is the oh. new 
This is the new I, Child's Play movie. I didn't realize I was out already. Yep. This is kind of a return to form for the Child's Play series. Now, a lot of people that I talk to don't like the Child's Play series to begin with. I mm-hmm. think that they I think that they too easily dismiss this series. I think that there's a lot to like about the original 3 Child's Play movies that that people just don't don't recognize maybe because they saw the movies when they were younger mm-hmm. or haven't seen them recently, but they're pretty solid horror movies. And with this one, they got away from all the comedy aspects that were in the last two, um, right. Br- Bride and Seed. And they go just straight. It's just straight horror. And they use no CG. There, There is some CG that they use, but the like the doll, the Chucky effects are almost all animatronic or like a little person in a suit. Mm-hmm. And that looks great. Like the animatronics in this look better than any of the other ones. It looks really good. Cool. Uh, the cinematography is actually really good too, which is a big surprise. There's a lot of really good slow motion in it and stuff. And there's a lot of interesting things they do with the story. Like the main character of the film is uh, in a wheelchair. So huh. she has that kind of... Because one of the big things about Chucky is like, he's a doll. Why can't you just get away from him? Because he's a doll, you know? Right. And when you're confined to a wheelchair, it makes it a little bit harder to get away from from this uh, evil doll. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's... A light recommend, I would say. If if you liked any of the original Child's Play movies, you should definitely check this out. There are many downsides to this movie. There's really bad use of technology in it. And this is something that's just a, a nitpick, but it really irks me when I see a movie that has someone using a computer or a phone and it looks really fake on the screen. <laughs> like, that just bothers me so much. And... <laughs> Anytime that they use a computer or a cell phone in this movie, it looks so bad. And I just I just don't understand that. But and the acting is pretty shitty and the story is pretty bad too. They they tie I thought that this was gonna be a reboot of sorts, but I think they originally were planning on doing a reboot. Yeah, it, it is it's not. It is a straight up sequel. It's tied into the originals and it's also tied into the bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky. So it is well within so, it's well within the universe. So it's like the Fast and Furious franchise of horror. <laughs> yeah, so every, every everything ties together. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's all it's all tied together. Now a lot of that a lot of the tie ins don't happen till the end of the movie. That's like supposed to be a big twist where you're just like, oh it is part of this. Mm-hmm. But and I guess I just gave away a somewhat of a spoiler but i won't say what happens well i don't know knowing that brad durf is chucky again that pretty much is a key clue that this is part of the franchise and not something brand new because otherwise it would have been a new voice for chucky or something yeah i mean i'm glad that uh, and, and he's actually in it too like there's flashback oh, scenes. physically oh yeah cool. there's flashback scenes with him before he turns into chucky which I thought was was cool, but they do they do kind of retell the history. So if you were interested in the backstory of Chucky, more about the backstory, they expand on it a little bit. So you know, it's a, a very light recommend. I would say if you're in the mood for just some B B horror, you know, check might be worth checking out. There is some comedy in it, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the most part. And, and I will say that a lot of the effects that they use for Chucky are very creepy. Like, this is, this is I think, by far the creepiest of all of them. Because they make him look mm. so sinister and evil in this one. Mm. But Cool. Uh, another movie I saw is called On the Job. This is a Filipino movie. And I do have a review for this up on the site. This is playing in limited release right now. Directed by Eric Mati. And it's a true story. It tells the true story of these uh, corrupt government officials that they hire uh, inmates to carry out hits. So what they do is they, 
whenever they have a hit that they need to do, they pull these two guys out of prison, have them do the hit, and then put them back in jail. So that they have like completely solid alibi. There's no question that these would be the guys that did it. And it's kind of your typical procedural thriller, but it's done really well. It's shot really well. And there's several twists in it that happened near the end that I just, I didn't see coming. The, the actual climax of the film I thought was a little underwhelming, but overall I thought that it was a very solid thriller. There is some action in it, but it's pretty, pretty sparse. It's a lot more of a crime drama, I would say, Mm. but it is definitely worth checking out. It kind of jumps back and forth between the lives of the two men that are hired to do the hits and the FBI or whatever the, their equivalent of the FBI over there, uh, his, his role in trying to capture them and kind of jumps back and forth between the two of them, but definitely worth checking that one out. Cool. I think that just opened up out here. So yeah, it's, look for that one. Yeah, I think it came out on Friday, so it's really it's definitely worth seeing. Then I saw Class of 1984. This is my Grindhouse <laughs> Weekly pick of the week. Oh, I haven't seen that in so long. <laughs> yeah, I never I never saw it. This was uh, usually with my Grindhouse Weekly articles. I try to pick a movie that I never saw before, if I can, just mm-hmm. to expand my knowledge of exploitation cinema and i didn't know it this is a pure coincidence that the new that new michael j fox show came out this week right and the night that i watched class of 1984 was the 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 night that that show premiered and michael j fox is in class of 1984 (laughs) wow yeah i mean what the hell i mean that was a it was a pure coincidence too i had no idea that he was in this (laughs) <laughs> he's he's really young in it, but he's he actually yeah. gets stabbed in the kidney in this movie. Oh, <laughs> not Marty. Yeah, and uh, I barely I barely remember the movie because it's been several decades since I've seen it. But. Well, I guarantee you, I'll by next week I'll forget that this movie even exists. <laughs> I mean, it's I it's, think I think there was a, a 1984 part two, and then I know there was a class in 1999, which I do remember seeing in the theater, but. Oh really? I see. I didn't uh, even know that. I I should have done more research. Normally, I when I do the those articles, I like to watch everything in a series before I write about it. But I didn't even know about that. Yeah, class of nineteen ninety nine is supposed to be a direct sequel to eighty four, but it takes place in the future. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, then it was the future, right? But uh, class of eighty four part two, which I may be wrong. That may not exist. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure there's one that exists that may have nothing to do with it other than title alone. So that's how a lot of those were, where they would just use the title and that was it. There was no relation at all. But mm-hmm. this one is your pretty typical teen exploitation movie where it's a it gang was, uh, of teens versus teachers. Or yeah, something. it was like a gang of unruly students that. There's a new teacher in the school, and he tries to, you know, reach reach these kids, but it doesn't work, and the consequences are very dire. Mm. It's pretty middle of the road. One thing I will say is that the kids in this movie are a hell of a lot more evil than in most movies like this, like, like in Dangerous Minds, for instance. Like, those kids... Okay were nowhere near as horrible as the kids in, in class of 1984. I mean, the kids in class of 1984 kidnap the guy's wife and gang rape her <laughs> and try to kill her. And, th- th- like, that's just so much worse than anything in most of these movies I've ever seen. Well, it was the 80s. I guess in the 90s they got a little more civilized. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, I don't know. It's pretty middle of the road pretty mediocre i wouldn't Mm -hmm. really recommend it unless you're itching for one of these like kind of punk rock 80s movies yeah is that uh that's on netflix streaming or um i don't know i I know you can rent it but i don't know like uh like video on demand but Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm not sure if it's on netflix streaming 
Yeah, this is one of those things where I just might randomly like browse through and see like, ah, eh, what the hell? I'll yeah, I think it. it's I think it's on Amazon for like two bucks or something. Uh, then I saw COG, which is the comedy based on the David Sedaris book. Mm-hmm. This is on demand right now, and I didn't I didn't really like this. I like David Sedaris a lot. I think he's really funny, and I think that he I think that he's an extremely funny writer. Like any any of his stuff that I'll read, I could be in a bookstore and it'll make me laugh out loud. <laughs> like I think that he's just hilarious. But this movie was not very funny and i don't i don't know if it was necessarily supposed to be the opening scene was very funny basically it it kind of tells the story of of his life when he was younger and how he leaves college and goes to work on an apple orchard hmm. sort of to discover himself i guess but it it kind of fell flat for me it just kind of ends abruptly and just wasn't that funny again it was pretty mediocre i don't really have much to say about it if you're into david sedaris you might like it that's on demand right now you can check that out if you're i would say only if you're really into david sedaris's stuff so Uh, and then finally i saw ain't them body saints finally got around to seeing this finally yeah we'll see it's it's tough because i don't have i don't have cable so and in the on demand it's only on cable on demand. Mm. So it was it was hard for me to see it. But at any rate this is the David Lowry film with uh, Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara and um Ben Foster and I liked it. Like Gina Gina gave it a 10 out of 10 on the yeah. site which I would not give it a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I think I gave it a 3 and a half out of 5 on Letterboxd. Right. And I will say that the the cinematography is amazing. I think Bradford Young does the cinematography and I, I like his stuff. Kevin talks about him a lot. He's a big fan. And the music was phenomenal in this. I was really blown away with the music. Mm-hmm. So it has the look, it has the music, the performances are great, but I was a little underwhelmed with the actual story. I thought it was kind of dull. And I right. it just it almost felt too much like a Malick film. It was like, yeah, it was, it was like they were, it, he was trying to make a Malick film and it was just a little too on the nose for me. Mm-hmm. Now you, you saw this, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, I, what I did thought you it was think? good. I give it about an eight out of 10 uh, for me. That, uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. So it's kind of not fresh in my memory. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I really like the acting and the look of it, and I was definitely uh, noticing the whole Malick-esque look of it. And uh, I mean, it's one of those ones where um, if you're not drawn in immediately to the character's plight, then you're probably just going to be distracted and like really not care in the end. Yeah, and but, part uh, of me, part of me thinks that maybe it was my mindset at the time. Like I, I was just not in the mindset to watch to to commit to watching something like this and yeah it is definitely one of those movies where you have to be in the right mindset <laughs> yeah and, and it's unfortunate i think that if i maybe rewatch it later my score might bump up and i might think more highly of it because like i said uh, the music is phenomenal the acting the all the performances across the board are great mm-hmm. the look of it is is good i mean that this is right up my wheelhouse i love movies that have this kind of rural rundown look to it so you would think that everything about it would make me love it but i just i don't i mean it's still solid and i still recommend it Mm -hmm. but i just wasn't blown away also i think that maybe my hopes were really high for it probably too high yeah so that might have been a factor as well but it's still i mean if you if you like terrence malick's badlands then i would say check it out because it's very similar to Badlands. Like the first five minutes of this movie, it, it's pretty much Badlands. I mean, it even mm-hmm. has like the narration and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but ain't them body saints playing on video on demand cable on demand right now. So check that out. That's all I got. So I think we can jump into our review of rush. You ready for that? Yep. That's at the metal to the pedal, pedal to the metal, whatever it is. 
<laughs> so Rush is directed by Ron Howard, written by Peter Morgan. The synopsis is a recreation of the merciless 1970s rivalry between Formula One rivals Jim, James Hunt and Nikki Lauda. Stars Chris Hemsworth, Daniel Bruhl, Olivia Wilde. Now, you have a review up on the site, so I think that I'll start it off. And I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I was somewhat excited yep. for it. I like Ron Howard. We talked we talked a little bit about Ron Howard last week on Ryan Watches a Movie because we had him watch uh, Driven in honor of Rush. So we did, <laughs> we did talk about Ron Howard a little bit. And I do like Ron Howard overall, but as I've gotten older and more cynical, I've liked his stuff a little bit less just because of how it tends to go into the sappy territory, you know, like the Spielberg territory with with his stuff yeah yeah and this movie does that but it i feel like it doesn't really do it until the very end so for the most part i thought that this was great and i would probably give it like i don't know like an eight out of ten but Mm -hmm. there were there were several things that kind of brought it down for me but overall the cinematography in this was one thing that really boosted this up for me, I thought all the camera work, like just the crazy camera angles that they get, that they used at certain times, the positioning of the camera, like uh, when they would position in position, the camera inside the helmets, like mm-hmm. pointed at their faces. The the one that comes to mind is when uh, Nicky Lauda's right after his injury and he's putting the helmet on, you know, with the bandages and stuff like, I yep. thought that that looked incredible. And the other one was when they were, it was in Tokyo and they were, it was raining and they positioned the camera inside the helmet and they showed the drill coming in through the, oh yeah, yeah. The, the visor thing. Like I thought that that was really good. And all of the, the race scenes looked pretty amazing. Could have done with more racing actually. Yeah, you would think for a film about racing, there would be more racing. But, but guess, for me, I guess my lone drawback for me was the racing scenes weren't as energetic or as dynamic. I mean, it's kind of unfair. I shouldn't compare it to other films about racing, but it's I didn't get the adrenaline rush of what it would be feeling like to be in a a as as a what was it as um, Hunt calls a uh, coffin mm-hmm. that going 400 miles an hour. <laughs> but because um, a lot of the shots, they kind of did look a bit CG ish to me. But um, I mentioned in my review that uh, Steve McQueen's Le Mans, uh, it's a late 60s film, I believe, was shot at Le Mans with actual cars, actual in car racing, and McQueen doing driving. And they got some amazing shots in there and you knew it was real and it had a documentary feel to it. And it didn't look like everything was set up. Everything, everything that went down was real, but in rush, it felt like a lot of the angles for me felt like I was playing GTA from the overhead view. Mm. <laughs> so, but I'm like, Oh, okay. And then the, but, um, apart from that, the, the focus, I guess the focus was on the, uh, the characters, which I think was the saving grace for me. Uh, yeah i mean i i liked i liked all the character stuff too i mean it it was a pretty incredible rivalry and just to see how these these two men were so they were like polar opposites from each other you know like personality wise but on the track they were like almost equals they were just both dominating the track and so that that was kind of interesting to see how that like fueled this rivalry. And mm. I, I did like that. And I thought Chris Hemsworth, like him and as, a, as an actor, I don't think he's really had the roles that he can really prove himself as right. like an A-list actor. But right. I think that this is definitely a step in the right direction for him. I think that it's, yeah, he'll need more stuff like this to break away from the Thor stigma. Yeah, but but that's the thing. Like the he, this role was to me was very similar to the Thor role. Like hmm. the way that he his he delivered his, his comedy, his confidence and swagger. <laughs> yeah, like 
to me to me it was it was kind of similar to that but you know I, I thought that they were all great i love olivia wilde so even though she wasn't in very much of this i thought she did a pretty solid job yeah yeah i thought the uh the other wife i can't mm-hmm. remember her name i thought she she was really good but again uh, she had more to do but i thought she was really good yeah she was, and, uh, she was good. i think daniel Burrell is the one who steals the movie <laughs> yeah he was great but to me it seems like uh it seems like maybe it was a little bit more about him than the james hunt character but mm-hmm. i don't know one of the things there, there were a couple things i didn't like about this movie maybe maybe you agree with some of the stuff but the narration just yeah did not yeah, like the, that on i didn't mind the narration but it was the one narration that peter hunt get, or what was james hunt gets mm-hmm. is that his name yeah james, james hunt, hunt. It's like saying yeah this this is uh, i'm james hunt i'm like I'm like where is it the dual narrations going here and then he never narrates again <laughs> well th- that's the thing <laughs> at least i i don't think at least i don't think he does. no he doesn't there's so it kind of got confusing because you're thinking uh louder was the one telling the story then wait they're both telling their stories <laughs> Yeah, it was. So. I I don't understand that. It was it was really inconsistent. There was like maybe three times that they did narration in the film, so it wasn't like that was something that they were doing throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And I just I don't I don't see why it's necessary. Like I didn't see what that added to the to the movie. It just felt extraneous to me, and I don't know why that that was included, but. We've talked about it before on the show. I think the narration most most of the time, I do not like it in movies because it feels lazy to me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a very blunt form of foreshadowing because if you like sit there and if you've seen so many movies and you think of the uh, cliches and uh, whatnot, and you think it's like, oh, he's doing a narration at the beginning of the movie, and they're talking about it's like, hmm. So obviously he's the one telling the story. So hmm something happened <laughs> yeah I, I just didn't and it wasn't even good in this though like i mean like you said he's like i'm james hunt like it just was not good narration didn't add anything if anything it detracted from from it it made it it made it seem way more uh like just overly sympathetic and kind of sappy uh but speaking of sappy there's there was at least three times that I thought that this movie was over and it continued. Like there was after one race, I was like, Oh, okay, well that's a pretty decent place to, to end it off. And then they picked it up again. Was that the, there was a, there was uh, was a whole... that the uh, season finale. Yeah. Uh, the final race. Well, it wasn't, no, it wasn't the Tokyo race. It was the one before that when he oh. first came back and got oh. like, that I was yeah. like, oh, okay, they're gonna they're gonna maybe have one little scene to wrap it up, and like you know, end it on a high note with him coming back, mm-hmm. you know, getting getting back in it. But no, they didn't end it there. Then they had the the Tokyo race, which I thought was the best race in the entire movie. Like mm-hmm. that one looked awesome. How they when they did like the slow motion in the rain. I know that that's yeah. that shot has been done to death, but I still think it looks great. Mm-hmm. And with like the umbrella, the overhead shot with like the umbrellas and stuff and just all the during the race, the stuff that was from the perspective of uh, inside their helmets, how they couldn't see anything. And I just thought that that was crazy. Uh, but so after the Tokyo race, thought it was over then. But no, there's this like five, maybe five minute scene that happens after that Tokyo race mm-hmm. that is just to me was horrible. Like that whole scene, that interaction between the two of them, mm. I thought it was terrible, and that, <laughs> that that really brought it down for me. Like you just got to add in this like overly sentimental, sappy, cheesy stuff in there, Mm-mm. but I didn't like that. Yeah, I didn't mind it so much, but it definitely felt like uh, after the race that it was starting to after the final for me the final race it started to drag a little bit, so. I'm like, oh, was this? Uh, <laughs> there's a there's a montage right after that, and I think it's like, was this Rocky Three? Well, yeah, that that was the thing. I, I had the I had the tiger. <laughs> that was the thing. Like after the race, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's that's a really good place to end it. And then all of a sudden, there's a montage, and you're just like, wait a minute, what's going on here? We're like two hours in. We're gonna have a montage at the very end of the movie because because that montage makes you feel like 
that montage should have taken place when he first started winning. You know what I mean? Like when he first mm-hmm. got big and famous. That's what mm. it felt like. Not at the end of the movie. I don't know. Right. It just it felt really weird. But again, that wasn't really enough for me to dislike the movie in any way. Like I said, I'd mm. still give it an 8 out of 10. I still liked it a lot. I did like when they sh- did show the racing stuff. I felt like they used that one shot of the the camera when it was in the grass and the cars were zooming past it and then they mm-hmm. showed like the grass. They used that shot like five times. And I thought that yep. was a little too much, but mm. just a lot of nitpicks, really. Yeah, still decent for a racing movie. But I still recommend seeing like Le Mans or, or uh, James Garner and Grand Prix. So. Yes, yeah. More so, more so than Days of Thunder. So I know that'll upset people, but... I haven't seen Days of Thunder. I haven't seen... Really? No. Nope. I'm just not uh, generally not big on racing movies. I like like chase movies. Speed Racer? No. Actually, yes, I did see Speed Racer, (laughs) and I thought it was horrible. I didn't see it in the theater, thank God. That's kind of a guilty pleasure for me. Yeah, I just did not like Speed Racer. I didn't... wasn't buying it, but... I like car chase movies. Like the mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite movies, probably in my, I don't know, top twenty is uh, Vanishing Point, the original Vanishing Point, which I think right. is incredible, just because it's a story about a dude that takes a bunch of speed and drives as fast as he can across the country, and that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's the plot, and I love it because there's like no rhyme or reason for it. He just does it. Yeah. So. Uh, any final thoughts on Rush? I don't think we need to bother with any kind of spoilers or anything. Uh, no, no, not really. Uh, it was a decent, uh, decent sports drama, sports biopic. Um, I don't think it's going to see much uh, attention come Oscar time. But, no, I don't think it's going to see any attention. But uh, overall, it's not a bad two hours. Then again, I read I read something recently that said that they were actually thinking about upping the best picture nominees to 20. Wow. Uh, Can you I mean, I don't know if that's really going to happen, but if they have 20 best picture nominees, I'm just not going to watch the Oscars anymore. <laughs> like, it's like okay, the first hour we're just going to be showing clips from the 20 nominees. <laughs> I mean, come on. I think 10 is too much. Yeah, 10's, 10's enough. I mean, that's what the uh the British Academy does. And uh that's what AFI does. They nominate their ten, then they pick the one. Well, I think that yeah. I think what it they should do rather than trying to because was it last year? Was it ten last year? Or was I think last year? I think it was nine. Yeah, I think it was nine last year. I think that what they should do is have a limit of ten, but if there are none that are worthy of being nominated, then don't don't force it. You know what I mean? Don't yeah. put in some movie that's not worthy of it. Just to get mm-hmm. that 10. Because mm-hmm. that's just a waste of everybody's time. Because you know it's not going to win anyway. Yeah, like, did but, anybody But think... at least the people who made us like, hey, we were nominated for Best Picture. That yeah, way. that's true. Like, did anybody actually think Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close was going to win and not Best Picture? I don't think so. Probably not. But that definitely seemed like an Oscar movie. So, Yeah. Well, I think that that'll wrap up the Rush review you gave it a seven and a half. Is that what you gave it? Uh, or a seven? Yeah, seven and a half. Seven and a half. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my eight. So go see Rush. It's in theaters now. Let's move on and talk about some predictions. Last week, Kevin and I predicted Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs two. He said seventy. I or he said seventy four. I said seventy. Actual fifty eight. I'm gonna check that out today. See how see how it is. I really liked the first one. So I actually never saw the first one until I saw it on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was hilarious, the first yeah, one. Yeah, was cute. Uh, Rush, Kevin said 80. I said 76, actual 87. And yeah. Don John, Kevin said 77. I said 82, actual 81. So pretty good so, pretty good weekend, really. Yeah. Yep. Next week yeah. we have Gravity, Alfonso Cron's Gravity. This one's going to be huge. This is like one of the movies I've been dying to see as soon as I heard the, read the synopsis. This and, yeah, uh, this one's on my uh, most anticipated of the year list. So yeah, I'm very definitely. Excited. I've, I mean, I've seen trailers. I'm trying to get over excited about it, but I'm like, 
Um, when I saw Prisoners this weekend or last week, whenever that opened, <laughs> two weeks ago, I guess, um, Gravity was on the trail. The last theatrical trail for Gravity was on there. And you know this movie is going to be big when after when the trailer ends, you hear nervous laughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's that's going to be. This is gonna be big. <laughs> yeah, they they had that same trailer when I saw um, Prisoners as well. So yeah. And, uh, what are you thinking yeah. on Gravity? I will go. It's Quaron and Bullock and Clooney. So I'm gonna go 87. I'm gonna. I am gonna say 93. I think it's Two. gonna be. I think it's gonna be a, a big hit. Uh, then we have Runner Runner, which I don't think is gonna be a big hit at all. <laughs> This is the first post-Aflac uh, Batman announcement movie. <laughs> I'm going to say 40 on Runner Runner, and I think that's that's generous. Dang, yeah, that is generous. I was going to go like 35. Uh, that doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. I mean, I don't even... What was Timberlake's last movie? <laughs> I think it was that... It was uh, In Time? Was it that? Maybe. That I don't sci-fi even one? I think that might have been his last one. He's going to be... Uh, yeah, it, yeah. I didn't even see that one. I didn't either. <laughs> He's going to be inside Lewin Davis. He looks good in that. I don't, I don't think the fact that Justin Timberlake's in Runner Runner is going to bring it down. I think that it just looks like a bad movie. Yeah, it looks doesn't look like anything special. It looks like it looks like a January February release. It does. So. Yeah, it does. The other the only other one we have is ACOD. I think that that's getting a wide release. That's the comedy with Adam Scott, Adult Children of Divorce. What are you thinking on this one? If it helps yeah. your prediction, I heard pretty good things out of uh, where did it? I can't remember where that premiered. It premiered at a festival. I don't know if it was Cannes. Mm. No, it was fifty. I'll say sixty-two on ACOD, and then in limited release next week we have Parkland, which is the JFK assassination one. I was mm-hmm. mild, I was mildly interested in that. The fact that it didn't get any kind of like big release has me questioning it. Because mm-hmm. a movie like that, you would think that it would be getting a big release unless it was not very good. Yeah, and also surprising that they wouldn't be releasing it uh, in November. Yeah. To tie in with the uh, 50th anniversary. I don't know. Maybe it's limited next week and then it's going to go wide later or something. Uh, then we have Bad Milo. This is the comedy with ken marino about the ass demon i did get a chance ass demon yeah ass demon <laughs> yep i did get a chance to see this so we might have a review up for that uh, argento's dracula which looks incredibly horrible i don't know if you've seen the trailer <laughs> for this no i haven't oh my goodness I, i'm a fan of like older argento stuff mm-hmm. i mean deep red is one of my favorite horror movies of all time but this looks pretty rough uh, yeah, I can't and, remember. There was one I can't remember the name of it, but it, the killer turned out to be a midget, and I just started laughing. <laughs> I don't. I don't. So, I, don't think I, I've I can't seen remember that. the name of it. It was, it was one of the recent ones in the last ten years or so. But uh, yeah, once once I was revealed, the whole movie lost me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. His his newer stuff's been rough. It's been real rough. I've seen a few of his newer things, but. Uh, and then finally we have The Dirties, which is one that I highly recommend. This is one that we've been kind of championing on the site from the beginning. Like Never never heard of it. Definitely check this one out next week. Uh, it's also going to be on demand, so you have no excuse. Uh, we also interviewed the, dire- uh, the director of that movie, and he's really, really cool. So we do want a lot of people to see this, and it's really good, so... On video on demand next week, we have Best Man Down, which it looks not very good to me, but it could be interesting. Not to be confused with the Best Man franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this is with Justin Long, I think, right? And um, it's Justin Long and the guy from Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, and oh. he, like, dies at their wedding or something. It looks... It's funny because when I saw the trailer, I didn't know anything about it, and it looked like it was just going to be kind of a goofy wedding comedy, and then all yeah. of a sudden, it's like he's dead, and it gets <laughs> this like really somber tone to it, and I was just like, oh, I don't know if I want to see that. <laughs> uh, also, like I mentioned, The Dirties, Concussion, 
which I don't know too much about, but I've heard good things. I'll have a review for that up uh, next week, I believe. Did you see it already? Uh, yep. Oh, okay. That was, uh, was actually pretty good. I went in knowing nothing, and then, like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, is it about lesbians? It's a, it's about lesbians, and something happens to one of them, and that drives them to decide to become a, a, uh, call girl. <laughs> uh, okay. So. Also, we have Zero Charisma that comes out, I think, next Sunday. It's, it's. That one comes out at a weird time, but I am excited to see Zero Charisma. That was one that we we tried to see in Austin, but we couldn't get out there because of the poor handicapped transportation. We couldn't get a taxi. We waited an hour for a taxi to pick us up so that we wow. could get out to the, the theater where that was playing in Austin, and no one came to get us. Lame. Yeah, but finally coming out on Video On Demand... DVD and Blu-ray releases, we have The Crudes, which I have no interest in at all. It's kind of cute, but for a family movie. Yeah, just not interested in that. The Frozen Ground, which is that uh, John Cusack one. We also have Fright Night 2, which I don't know why this happened. Yeah. Uh, we also have This is the End, which I definitely recommend that one. That was. Oh, yeah, that's... Another one I finally saw. I completely forgot that one. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious as well. So highly recommend that. And finally, we have 21 Bloody Acres, which I also recommend. It's a horror comedy from, I want to say, Australia. Pretty sure it's Australia, not New Zealand. I get the two of those mixed up from time to time. But I'm pretty sure it's Australian. <laughs> if, you, yeah, if you haven't seen that that one and you like horror comedies, this it's really good. It's actually very funny. So... Yeah, I think that that will do it. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. Send us an email at feedback at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net. Be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Ernie. And we will see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches Movie.